Well, friends, I'm glad to see you here this morning. Hope you've had a blessed week. I'm glad you've come to join us for a time of worship and the Word this morning. I love getting to come join with my church family. i got to share something with you all this week. I, I, was, I came across an interesting article on the web this week, and I was laughing so much I thought I'd share it with you this morning. The article was entitled, 15 Crazy Lawsuits That Will Make You Want to Sue Someone. Yeah, and I was reading, I'm not going to read all of them, but there, here's some of my highlights. I like, I like this. In March 2008, in Danbury, Connecticut, a 15-year-old student named Vinicius Robichet sued his teacher for slamming her palm on his desk to wake him up during class, claiming that it caused ear damage. I don't know if he won that. I don't think he won that. Here's, I really like this one. This is from a guy named Alan Heckard who in 2006 sued Michael Jordan and Nike for $832 million, claiming mental anguish and harassment because this man looked like Michael Jordan. Oh, here's, here's a really brilliant guy. This one's called Man Sues Himself. True. This, these are true. You can look them up. I promise you they're real cases. You can find the court cases. In April 1995 in Chesapeake, Virginia, an inmate named Robert Lee Brock sued himself for $5 million. He had gotten arrested for uh, breaking and entering and grand larceny, and he said he violated his own civil rights, so he sued himself. Why? He thought when he won the case, the state would have to pay up. Uh, not, a, not a brilliant guy. Youth, pay attention to this one. In March 2003, a high school senior named Brian Delecta was so distraught that he got an A in one of his classes that he sued the school system. He felt he deserved an A+. Seriously. Delecta, who had had the highest GPA in his class at the time, felt that a mere A would hurt his chances of becoming the valedictorian. It says, the course in question instantly was a work-study program at a law firm. His supervisor in the position lobbied for him to win the case and get an A. But maybe that was because that was his mother. So I don't know. And here's, here's what tops it off. This guy has become known as Mr. Frivolous Lawsuit. Since 2006, Jonathan Lee Richards has filed thousands of lawsuits from while in jail. His highlights include suing baseball player Barry Bonds for $42 million uh, and accusing him of selling steroids to nuns. Okay. Uh, he sued um, Elvis Presley because he was in cahoots with Osama bin Laden. Uh, he sued Hollywood because he actually claimed that he was the star and actor of the Karate Kid movie. I don't think that he was. Um, he, has, he has sued President George Bush, Pope Benedict, Bill Gates, Queen Elizabeth, uh, Burt Reynolds, Google. Uh, it goes on and on. He sued, he sued Pizza Hut. Um, I don't know what that one's for. My favorite person, or I, not, not even a person, a favorite plaintiff in the suit, the planet Pluto. He sued Pluto. I don't, I don't think he won that particular <laughs> case. Um, Interesting cases out there. I, I kind of was laughing as I was reading those this week. And, you know, I, that's, 
I know it's funny, but it's kind of a sad commentary on our society that we live in a place that is so sue happy, right? I mean, you do something, I'm going to sue you, and I'm taking you to court. I'll, you know, we, we see that all around us. You can't hardly get away with anything nowadays without being threatened of being sued. I mean, and that's why we hear of these stupid, silly law cases of people suing because they think all I got to do is sue and get money. Now, we may think, oh, it's no big deal, just our culture, but I don't know, maybe it's harmed us a little bit. Maybe it's harmed us even in our Christian character where we have begun to think and believe uh, that we don't necessarily need to forgive. What we need to do is get even, get retribution. Now, I'm not saying that we always say, I'm going to take somebody to court, but we might have the mindset, the attitude of, somebody has wronged me, I'm going to find a way to get back what it costs me. I might, you know, slander their name. I might look for that chance of revenge. I certainly won't forgive them. I mean, I think really we, we have fallen in this time, this culture of our setting, that the attitude of the norm is if somebody upsets you, somebody has hurt you, somebody has taken something from you unfairly to sue them. And even though we don't take every person to court, I know we carry the attitude of, well, I'll just do this in my personal life against somebody. Well, that's a huge problem, friends. Now, the reason I'm talking about this morning is we're continuing our series, A Healthy Family, A Growing Family, going through 1 Corinthians. We've been doing this now for a few months, and we're working our way through. If you've been with me, you notice that as we continue to go through this book, we're facing this kind of section of a few chapters here where Paul, the Apostle Paul, who's writing these things, is dealing with the problems in that church. He's dealing with the issues that he's encountering among the people. Now, one of the issues, as you can probably already guess, is the issue of the people inside the church taking one out of the court. If you've read the book of 1 Corinthians, you've heard the passage about, you know, that we're going to look at this morning, about how what a terrible thing is that brother is suing brother. Now, I want us to look at this passage this morning. I want you to realize that right now, in fact, it's, it's more than just this, I'm taking you to court. There's more going on there than maybe meets the eye. I don't want you to check out because you're thinking, I don't sue anybody. I promise you there's something else happening here. I want us to see this kind of specific problem because we're going through verse by verse through this book and we want to look at all the things it has for us. But I think you're going to be surprised at how much this passage really does talk to you and to me, even if you're not one of these people who's out there suing everybody you can find. So let's look at, uh, for our message this morning in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. We're just continuing right where we left off a few weeks ago. It's chapter 6, verses 1 through 9. Let's look at what Scripture says for us. We'll go back and talk about it. In verse 1, it says, If any of you has a dispute with another, do you dare take it before the ungodly for judgment instead of before the Lord's people? Or do you not know that the Lord's people will judge the world? And if you are to judge the world and... and sorry... If judge the world and you not competent, I'm sorry, I about go back over. Or do you not know that the Lord's people will judge the world? And if you are to judge the world, are you not competent to judge trivial cases? Let's keep going. Verse 3 says, Do you not know that we will judge angels? How much more the things of this life? Therefore, if you have disputes about such matters, do you ask for a ruling? 
from those whose way of life is scorned in the church? I say this to shame you. Is it possible that there is nobody among you wise enough to judge a dispute between believers? But instead, one brother takes another to court, and this in front of unbelievers. The very fact that you have lawsuits among you means you have been completely defeated already. Why not rather be wronged? Why not rather be cheated? Instead, you yourselves cheat and do wrong and do this to your brothers and sisters. Or do you not know that the wrongdoers will not inherit the kingdom of God? We're actually going to stop right there and we're going to pick up the second half of verse 9. Uh, starting in next week as we kind of get into a new section. But look at those things of what he's talking about. Now, let me identify you for the problem, okay? There's actually two problems going on here that Paul's talking about. One's the obvious one that I've already kind of mentioned to you, that the people inside the church, the brothers and sisters that make up the body of the church, are taking each other to court. I'm going to tell you this. You think we live in a sue-happy culture? Do we just take everybody to court? You should have lived back then in Corinth. I mean, the culture back then was you, I mean, every little thing you took people to court. I mean, people will talk about how many, how often you had to serve on a jury back then because there were so many court cases going on. The problem, as Paul is saying, is that you're taking one another to court. And it really, it's not just that. It's that you are taking believers who have a dispute with one another and you're taking that dispute outside of the church, and you're putting it before the ungodly. I mean, he's saying you're putting it in front of those who don't believe as we believe, those who are not being, who are not of the Lord and not in the church. And you are letting those people, those judges, those juries, those outside the church, you're letting them judge you and decide who is right and who is wrong. Those people who are not following the Lord, who have no spiritual guidance at all, you're taking your internal problems and putting it before them. That's really the, that's the main issue Paul is talking about. You're suing one another, and it's not just the fact you're taking one another to court, is you are taking the problems and you're showing it to the whole wide world. And you're letting them judge you for it. And the point of Paul's issue is this. He's saying not only are you causing divisions in the church, not only are you hurting one another, but what you're doing is you are killing your witness on the outside of the church. I mean, you, we can understand this. Think about it. If those who are not of the church and not of Jesus Christ, if they're seeing all these people who say, my life is different, my life is saved because I believe Jesus but I'm going to come here and complain about my neighbor just like everybody else does. And I'm going to try to get revenge like everybody else does. You can imagine those judges saying, why would I want that? Why would I want to do what they're doing? They act like the rest of us. Paul is saying, you're showing the world that, you're, that your life isn't any different, isn't any better. The problem was they were suing one another and taking each other to court in front of unbelievers. Now, that's one problem. Now, some of you this morning are going, okay, I can check out right now because I don't do that. 
Some of you are saying, I've never taken somebody to court, or at least I've never taken a, a fellow believer to court. I'm not planning to. I got, it. I got it on my checklist. Don't do that. I'm good. That's really not what I'm after this morning. I know that probably for, the, for most of you, I hope for all of you, that you're not taking other people to court and, and people inside the church and having that kind of level of disagreement. I hope that's not happening. The Bible tells us not to do those things. But there's a deeper problem here. See, it's not just the fact they're taking one into the court. It's the issue what's going on in the heart. I mean, these people were taking it one step further, and they're saying, I'm going to sue you, and I'm going to get my revenge that way. But the problem started right here in the heart when they had disagreements, when they had issues, when they were having problems, and they refused to settle them. If you think back to, it's kind of like this. When Jesus was speaking on the, on the Sermon on the Mount, he used this thing all the time, he said, you have heard it said, but I say to you. I'm like, for example, he said, you have heard it said, don't murder. But I say to you, if you even harbor these things in your heart, if you say this thing to your brother, you're guilty of the same thing. He's saying it's a heart issue way before it's a physical act issue. He says, you've heard it said, don't commit adultery. But I tell you, if you look and lust after another woman, you've committed adultery already in your heart. It's a heart issue before it's a physical issue. And really here, it's the same thing going on. I think Jesus could have put the same kind of words to what we're talking about in that, today. It, you know, he could say, you've heard it said, don't take your brother to court. But I say to you, if you are holding a judgment against him in your heart, if you are building up a case against him and looking for an opportunity to get back what is yours, you've done it all the same. It's a heart issue before it's ever a physical issue. So some of you this morning are going, I'm okay with this, this passage. I, you're not talking to me, Greg, because I'm not taking people to court. I don't sue people. But I promise you that probably all of us, including myself, has struggled with times of doing it the second way, doing it as a heart issue. That you have a disagreement with somebody, you have an issue, you have a brokenness in a relationship, and what you do is you make the case against that person of why you're right and they're wrong. They did this to me. I'm not at fault. They hurt me. They took something from me. It cost me something. And I'm, a, I'm not going to forget. I'm not going to forgive. I'm going to look for that opportunity to say something against them or I'm going to do something back at them or I'm going to... Friends, that's pretty much the same thing as might as well just take them on into court. If it's happening right here and then we try to convince ourselves we're so much better because we are not suing people all the time, we fooled ourselves. We've deceived ourselves. Because if the judgment happens, if the court case happens right here, then it's all the same. And I know we struggle with this. See, actually, this is the problem. This is the true heart of the problem that sometimes, even inside the church, we don't get along. Okay? I mean, let's just, I know we're supposed to say, you know, we're all friends, we all love each other, and everything's good, but let's just be honest, friends. I know most of you, I know most of you very well. I know I, some of you had some of the just deepest faith, and I know you all love the Lord, and I know you're here serving Him, but I've seen it all in you guys, and I know you've seen it in me. There's times we just don't get along. There's times that somebody, even another brother or sister inside the church, gets on your nerves, or does something to hurt you, or you know, messes up a plan of yours. We step on each other's toes. I mean, I, I don't want to shock you this morning. You know, but sometimes people don't even get along with me. I know I'm perfect, and I know it's all, but some, it happens, believe it or not. I don't know what's wrong with them, but it happens, you know. 
I've got, I've gotten that <laughs> too many people to count. I've, I've done the same thing. I've, why did that person do that to me? I'm right, they're wrong. I struggle with the same thing. We're a family, and families fight. Families sometimes argue and get upset. I don't want to stand here this morning and act like and try to tell you that there will never be a disagreement or there won't ever be a brokenness in a relationship or a hurt given or offense taken. Guys, if we're going to share life together, if we're going to be the church family, just like it has your home family, there's going to be tense moments. There's going to be times where you hurt some feelings. There's going to be those moments when you clash. There's going to be brokenness. I mean, it happens every church. I don't care where you go to. If you're on the path of looking for the the perfect church that always gets along, you're going to have a forever long search because you won't find it. The family is going to have some issues. That's really the heart of the problem we're talking about this morning. Of all what Paul's identifying to here in the Corinthians, that's really the heart of the issue that sometimes they're not going to get along, sometimes we're not going to get along. What should we do about it? They were taking one another to court. We may be, I'm taking you to court in my heart. I'm holding my case against you. What should we do about it? I love how Scripture kind of gives us a good outline of what, in what ways we should respond. So we know what the problem is. The problem is that we don't always get along. We have brokenness in the relationships inside even the body of Christ. So how should we respond to it? I think Scripture gives us a few ways. It gives us a good way, a better way, and the best way. It kind of gives us a good way that's kind of, I call it the good way, but it's really just the bare minimum. The bare minimum of what we are supposed to do when we have the conflict, when we have the brokenness, when we have something not right inside a relationship inside the church family. Okay, I, Again, I say it's the good way, but it's really even not all that good. The bare minimum. See, Paul kind of gives it to us as he's given to them. The bare minimum, kind of the good way, is just to stop taking your disagreements, your issues, outside of the church so that others can see it. He's saying, stop it. He's kind of acting like I do when my kids are in the back seat fighting and arguing with another. I'm like, stop it. Paul's like, he's looking at this church and goes, stop it. I'm going to turn this church around. I will go back on where we will come. Stop doing that. Stop treating each other that way. I mean, the least you can do is stop taking your disagreements outside of the church. We're being honest and we say disagreements happen. We know brokenness sometimes happens and offense between people goes on. He said, don't take it outside of the church he's saying that that was the biggest thing for him he's saying you're letting all these people who are ungodly all these people who have nothing to do with the lord see the problem and even judge the problem stop doing that now again you may say well i don't do that well have you ever i don't need hands raised or testimonies given because it'll take us too long but have you ever had an issue with somebody, that brokenness with somebody else, a brother or sister inside the church, and you've got that friend who is not part of the family, who is not in there, but you're sitting down for lunch, you're on the phone, and you go, oh, well, let me tell you what so-and-so did. All right, do we need confession time? Because I'll be the first in line. I've done it. We take our issues and we put it before others. And we even allow people who are not even in the family 
we're allowing people who are not even seeking the Lord to pass judgment. Oh, yeah, that person's wrong and you're right. And you, know, you kidding me? That's not even effective. It, it says to that other person who's outside the family, he says, that's how Christians act? And it just causes greater division inside the church. So the least we can do, the bare minimum, is that we must stop taking our issues outside ever beyond the doors of the church. And I mean that absolutely seriously, because, again, those who are outside the family of God, those who have said, I don't really follow Jesus, I don't have really nothing to do with it, I don't know why I should go to church, they're not so much watching what you say, but they watch how you act. And if you're going to walk around and do the same things and gossip and slander in the same ways that they do, I'm going to say, what's different about that life? It kills the witness of the church. So the bare minimum, just, I mean, the, the thing you must do is not take it outside the church. When there's disagreements, when there's issues, as I know there are, don't take them outside the family. The damage it does is so great, it's not worth it. That we have to understand that. I mean, I want us to go beyond that. I don't want you to be bare minimum type of Christians. I don't want that for myself. We want to go beyond that. But if that has to be the only thing you get today is don't take it outside the church, we'll start there. Don't take those disagreements outside the family. Don't let the, you don't need to let the outside world see it. It's of no value. It's of no use. So what's, if that's the good way, that's kind of, that, again, that bare minimum value, what's the better way? What's one step better? Well, I mean, again, Paul gives it to us. He says, talking to the Corinthians, he says, can't you find people inside the church to help you handle this issue? So the better way is this. Handle your problems and disagreements and issues, and if you need help, if you need someone to be a mediator, if you need a judge over the situation, at least get somebody in the church. At least get a brother or sister in Christ. At least call a pastor or a minister or an elder or a deacon. Say, I need your help with this. Deal with your issues. That's why I said, you know, that bare minimum of, well, at least don't take it outside the church. I mean, okay, it helps protect our witness, but it hadn't really solved much in our heart. Because that just means, oh, I'm going to be bitter against somebody. I'm going to be upset against somebody, but at least I'll just keep it inside the church. So I guess it's safe I can tell my church friend the bad stuff I think about so-and-so. No, that's still not that good. You know what the mark of a mature Christian is? The mark of a mature Christian is one who can go to a brother or sister in Christ and say, Friend, I've got a problem. I've been hurt. I've been offended. It's something you've done. Now, that mark of the Christian is not one who comes and says, I'm going to tear you up. I'm going to tell you everything bad you've done. I'm going to hit you over the head with all the things I'm mad at you with. No, we come in love. We come in honesty. But the mark of a mature Christian is not one who can go to their friend and say, let me tell you about what so-and-so did to me or said to me. It's the one who can go directly to that person and say, I've got a problem, let's solve it. 
And what's even more wonderful is when that person who has, maybe there's a struggle, maybe there's tension, is willing to say to a, a pastor, an elder, or somebody there in the church, say, I need your help. Would you come? So if somebody needs to pass judgment, if somebody needs to kind of help tell us who's right and who's wrong and how to fix it, at least it's inside the church. You know, it's sad, but I can probably count on one hand the number of times I have been called by a, a fellow believer that said, I'm going to go handle this problem I have with somebody else. Can you come and help me do it? And you would think, I don't want to get those calls. But let me tell you, those are some of the greatest calls I ever get when they happen. I, I mean, it may seem crazy, but it is. Because every time I've had one of those situations, as rare as they've been, I've watched God move in awesome ways. And He's restored relationships. Every single time when I've seen somebody say, I'm going to go solve a problem. I'm going to go fix a brokenness. I've been hurt or they did something. I'm going to tell it to them. I'm not going to tell somebody else. I'm going right to the source. And it has done mighty works every single time. I wish I got that call seven times a week. Brother Greg, I got to go. I got a problem with somebody. I gotta, they did this to me, and I want to go get it right with them. Can you come help me? Man, I'm saying I am on the way. That is the mark of a mature Christian. But how much more do we have in our church, friends? How much more do you and do I even struggle with this idea of, well, so-and-so hurt me. I'm not going to go tell them because that means I'd have to kind of deal with the issue. But I am going to tell so-and-so. I am going to look for that opportunity to treat them bad the next time I can. I am going to gossip and all the stuff. That is not a mark of maturity. That is not a mark of a healthy or growing church family. In fact, we should take that as a warning from Scripture this morning. If you want an unhealthy family, if you want a dying church family, I can point out many to you, and one common problem you'll see is the back talk, is the talk, you know, I'm talking about so-and-so behind their back. I'm going to tell you a problem, but I refuse to go and speak to so-and-so. A mark of a mature believer is somebody who's willing to come directly to your face in love, but honestly, and say, I've got a problem. I've, you hurt me. You offended me. I got upset about them. Let's talk about it. Honestly, friends, I mean, just, just honestly, think for a second. When's the last time you had that kind of conversation with somebody in the church? See, those are scary conversations. They're scary for me. If I got a problem with somebody that's pestering on my heart and I feel like I got to go talk to them, it's scary for me to think about doing that. How many times have you been willing to go to somebody and say, I'm coming to you and you alone directly. We're going to deal with this. That's the better way. That is the better way to say, if I got a problem, at least I'm going to deal with it. I'm going to go handle it. I'm going to get some help if I need to, but that help is going to be on the inside of the church. We're not, going to t- we're not going to air our dirty laundry and let these other people who are not seeking the Lord pass judgment or tell me what's right or wrong. I'm not going to take them to court, whether that's literally or phys- spiritually, symbolically in my heart. I'm not going to do it. I'm going to go deal with the problem. So the, the good way, that's again, that bare minimum, is just to stop taking it outside the church. Don't let, you know, don't go get judgment outside. The better way, and this would be awesome if so many more people would do this, to say, go to the person, go direct, go handle the issue, get help if you need to on the inside of the church. 
What's the best way? What is the absolute best way to handle when problems arise? When you have been offended, when you have been cheated or wronged or your toes stepped on or whatever has happened, what's the best way to handle it? (laughs) Sister, you know it. Listen. He says, why not rather be cheated? Why not just be wronged? Why not just say, Lord, I don't like it. I feel bad. I didn't like being treated this way or having this taken from me. But I want to offer forgiveness. And I take it to you, Lord. And I lay it down. And I will say today, I will, out of the love you have shown me, I will accept that I've been wronged. And I'm going to forgive that person. I'll I'll deal with being cheated. It's okay. Because you have told me to show love. And Jesus Christ, in that same Sermon on the Mount, He said, if someone sues you, give them the shirt off your back. If someone comes after you, if someone has done something wrong to you, especially inside the church, I mean, it's great everywhere, friends, but especially a brother or sister in Christ, The best way, the absolute best way is to come, lay it before the Lord and forgive that person. Be willing to be wronged. How many of you approach your day with that type of heart attitude? Today, I'm going to live my day being willing to be wronged or cheated by someone else. I don't want it. I'm not looking for it. But if it happens, I'm willing to endure it I'm willing to forgive it. Now we want to say, what sense does that make? Our whole culture screams at us, get even, get back what is yours, fight tooth and nail until you have been proved right. What good is it to be wronged? Well, you know what, the, the best example of this, I, this week I was praying through this and I was thinking of different people who have shown the attitude of forgiveness and the awesome stories of those who have been terribly wronged and terribly cheated and hurt and still willing to forgive. And I was thinking about the different examples and the ones through, through modern and long time ago who have had those stories. But then the truth is the best example is Jesus Christ. The best example is Christ. I mean, He who lived perfectly, who was arrested, mocked, scorned, I mean, beaten, tortured, hung on a cross and crucified. Talk about being wronged and cheated and offended and hurt. And what did he say when he prayed to the Father? He says, Father, look at them. Look at these terrible things they're doing. Don't ever accept them. No. He said, Father, forgive them. For they know not what they do. He was willing to be wronged and to be cheated and to be mocked and scorned so that He could save us. And that testimony spoke so much louder than anything else. There was the people there at the cross that day who said, truly, that's the Son of God. Because look, He was doing what nobody else was doing. Look at the power, look at the forgiveness, look at the heart of Christ. The best way to handle it, friends, just the most awesome way to deal with the hurts and disagreements and issues we carry with one another is to simply say, I've been wronged, I've been hurt, 
I've been cheated, but I am not going to repay it. I'm not going to get angry at that person and bitter at that person. I'm not going to hold a grudge against that person. I don't care what they've done. I have been forgiven. Cross, Christ endured that cross for me. I will be wronged. I'll be okay with being cheated. Because Christ was okay with that for me. Friends, it's an issue of the heart. I said it before, I'll say it again. I know we're going to have problems. We are human, sinful people inside the church too. We're all still struggling with living out our faith. And you're going to get offended, and I'm going to get offended, and I might hurt you, you might hurt me. I might do something wrong. I might get cheated, or I might take something from you. I don't, we're, we're, we're people who struggle with treating each other the right way. And friends, even inside this family, even inside this very family, let's not hide from the fact that there will be disagreements, there will be times of brokenness in the relationships, there'll be hurts and offenses. It just, it's going to happen. It may, for some of you, it may be happening right now. The problem exists still today. What are you going to do about it? In the least, in the least, don't take it outside this place. It is not, you don't need to go let those people outside the church and judge and see all that. Don't take that brother or sister to court, whether literally or symbolically. Don't do it. I mean, you absolutely cannot do that. But go beyond that. Can you go one more step and say, I'm willing to at least go handle the problem. I'll go, I just can't get over this. I'm going to go handle it. I'm going to go to that person and say, here's what's going on. Let's fix it. Let's solve it. Let's get past it. But maybe for some of you today, you've got to go to the best way. Say, you know what? I've just, no matter what else has happened, I have just got to release this. I cannot hold on to this. I am going to say I was wronged. I was cheated. I was hurt. And that's okay. I forgive. By God's help, I forgive. Which way, friends? The problem is real. It's not just, hey, don't take your brother to court. It's a heart issue that we all struggle with. I'm the chief among you in doing so. How are you going to respond? Let's take a moment to examine this for the Lord. Let's just go fuller right now. I want to pray with you in just a moment. I want to ask you just a moment right where you are just to seek Him and take... Take just two minutes to have an honest talk with God, an honest assessment of what's going on in your life and the relationships you have around you. And I want you specifically, as you're thinking right now, as you're beginning to talk to God right now, I want you to just ask Him to show you any of those relationships, especially inside the church, that you have allowed to be broken, to be hurt, and any relationship, any person that you are taking to court in your own heart right now, that you have been holding the case against this person. You've been holding judgment. You've been trying to prove yourself right and them wrong. Ask, don't, don't ask me. I don't even ask yourself. I want you asking God right now, in this very moment, asking God, show me if that's present in my life. Say, God, even in my own church family, even in this very room, is there somebody right now that I am holding against, 
that I've got a case in my heart against that person. And I'm growing bitter, and I'm growing angry, because I've been wronged. Ask God to show it to you. And friends, listen, listen to this. If you've been wronged, so is your Savior. Are you better than Him? If He was willing to forgive, are you, you're not willing to do so? Come on, friends. What do you need to do today? So after I pray this morning, I'll pray for you in just a moment. In a time of response, I want you to consider what you might do to end that court case you've got going against someone else. Heavenly Father, we come, and we come in your house today and thankful that you called us to this family. Thank you that you called us to this place of worship. Thank you for making us your sons and daughters and creating us brothers and sisters in Christ. God, I know, I know that I offend sometimes because I maybe say the wrong thing or do the wrong thing or don't do what was needed. God, I, I do that. I know that I do. And there's, there's not a single person here who doesn't have the same testimony. Sometimes, God, it seems like as soon as we open our mouth, we start doing something wrong. As soon as we start living by our own agenda, we end up hurting somebody else. God, it's so easy to offend. It's so easy for there to be brokenness. Yet I, and I realize inside the very family, inside the very church, these things happen because we're struggling to live righteous before you. God, so it's not that we're immune from the brokenness and the relationships or the disagreements or the hurts. We're not immune to it at all. But God, how our lives should be different. If we're coming in here this morning and claiming that we are followers of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, how our life should be different is how we handle those problems. The world says, I'm going to take that person to court. I'm going to find a way to get back. Because I'm first. I'm more important. I, if I'm wronged, they should pay. God, you've called your children to live differently than that. Because your son paid the price. And he was wronged and cheated. And he still forgave. God, how we need that reminder. God, do not let us for one moment be comfortable in where we sit or in the walk we take during the week if we have got a brokenness with somebody else. God, don't let us do it. God, if there is somebody this morning who's holding on to that case among somebody else in their heart, if they're judging that person, God, if they're just waiting for that opportunity to take them to court to prove their case, God, if that's anybody here this morning, God, I, I would pray. God, I even pray for myself. God, that's in my heart. Don't let any one of us get comfortable. God, keep us just crawling in our skin until the moment we get up and go handle it, whether we can go to that person and say, i got to deal with this, i got to talk it out, or at least willing to come to you and to say, I'm okay with being wronged, and I forgive. And we lay it at the cross. God, don't let any brokenness reside inside this family and fellowship. Don't let it happen, God. Don't let us get away with it, God. Move us to a place that, we, that instead of looking 
first of how we can get back and how we can get righted for the wrong that was done. God, let us look first to how quickly can we forgive that person and pay them back kindness for the wrong that was done. Let us race to that moment of saying, I can't wait to figure out how to just bless them even though they cursed me. God, show us how to be that kind of church family. Because I know the problems will arise. I know the disagreements happen. But don't let them stay. Don't let them get a hold of us. Don't let them be above us and beyond us, Father. Because we are more than conquerors in Jesus Christ. God, I pray for the repair that needs to happen right now. I pray. God, I, I, just, I see right now just people coming. Right now, God, I, I just see it, just like in a courtroom. And it's saying, this case has been dismissed and thrown that piece of paper away. I'm throwing this case out. God, and I see that happening in this place. And I have a vision of you doing that right here, of people just broken before you at the altar, just saying, I'm, I'm dismissing this case in my heart. I'm throwing it out. Whether, no matter who that's against, God, that we're laying it down today. We'll say, I'm willing to be wronged and cheated. And I'm willing to forgive. God, what an awesome thing you can do is empty out that courtroom. Let all those cases be dismissed. We love you, Father. We love you, love you, love you. Thank you for these mighty things. And in Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen.